0: Hi, this is Jason, Lee, pastor, Casper Lynch Church. This is week seven of our series through Hebrews. Uh, we are working our way all the way to the end of the summer. This week, we talk about Melchizedek. Uh, we spent some time in the fall. I can't remember when we talked about it, but we have talked about Melchizedek quite a bit over the year. Anyway, this is, uh, we're going to enter into Hebrews 7, uh, the, the changing of the priesthood. Hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to know more about our church, check us out at casperchurch.com. Have a great day. Since we're slow playing uh, Hebrews now and going through the whole book instead of fast forward, we're going to camp out here for one week, not like chapter six where we spent, it felt like a lifetime in. But here's the deal. I was trying to come up with like, what do I, I had three warnings last time. And now that I'm committing to uh, PowerPoints, Uh, I need, I had to have some sort of trigger word. That's the word. What's the trigger word? What's the thing that's like, so here's my word. I have uh, three nuggets for you. And I don't, that's a horrible word. I couldn't think of a better word because they're not like truths. They're not, um, they're not insights. They're like, just like little nuggets. They're just like little things. Do you, I mean, do you like nuggets? Nuggets are delicious. So I'm looking at these three nuggets as maybe a delicious uh, meal to Hebrews 7. I have no idea. I just could not, I couldn't come up with the word. I was like, these words are, I don't like doing it like this. You know what I like to do? I like to have this like just explosive narrative where I just like, blah, 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 and then I try to land the plane and then it's it's uncomfortable for everybody. I'm like, hey, let's bring the worship team up and let's go. Like that's, but really if we want to look into scripture weekly and I really, again, I'm going to, this is, this is, we have three more weeks of maybe four. I don't know how many Sundays there are in in June. Uh, The Sunday school class is a great, we have like three of them happening right now. Show up. It's a time where you can like just talk. We're exploring scripture. Um, When discovery course is over, which uh, did you guys just finish It's say your last Sunday, we'll have an influx of a handful of people, but this like time, um, of Sunday school, we're like just opening up the Bible and talking. I really appreciate that. I kind of crave that in this moment, uh, but I I guess I have to talk at you. And so the nuggets are the things today. We're looking for nuggets. All right, so we're in Hebrews chapter 7. Now, in order to really get into Hebrews chapter 7, again, we have to go back to 6 for just a couple of verses. Let me read the setup for it, and then I'll give you some, uh, maybe some context, and then I'll give you some nuggets with some good dipping sauce. What's your favorite dipping sauce? Honey mustard? Barbecue, ranch, yeah. cat. <laughs> Adam. Awesome. Let's. Everybody, turn to chapter to Luke. We're going to talk about growing your kids and wisdom and statue. <laughs> Ketchup and nuggets are okay, but we have to expose her to some more sauces. Do you put it? Okay, okay, okay. If the effort's there, then that's all that we care about. Effort is all that matters. Is anybody all like ketchup only on a hot dog? Ketchup only? (laughs) That's right. That's wrong, too. Ketchup only on a corn dog. We're just doing I'm going to go through the mix now. Ketchup only on a corn dog. Does anybody put anything on a corn dog? Mustard. Mustard. There we go. All right. Let's move on. (laughs) Melchizedek is calling. (laughs) All right, then the nuggets with ketchup. Here's the deal. Let me read the last couple verses of chapter six. So you get a a window into why the pastor, the Hebrews writer is going to say this next chapter. Because if you were to just pick up and say, on your Bible reading plan, and it says Hebrews chapter seven, and you had no context, you'd be like, this makes no sense uh, compared to what else I've been reading. If I've been just been reading here. So there's a reason why this is included. And then I'm gonna ask you a question and we'll have honest answers, I hope. Uh, Again, let's go back to verse 19. This is the hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Let me me say it again. This is the hope. This is the anchor. It's trustworthy. We can hold it. And it leads us through the curtain into the inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So this next chapter, chapter 7, is all about priests. And priest is, I think, unless you have a certain church background, it's like a phrase or a word that we don't really use very often. Um, I... I used to do this a lot more than I do now, Um, but I, I used to play video games a lot. And one of the games that I would play quite frequently is League of Legends. It's this computer game, and I got into it with a bunch of kids in youth group. Like, these youth group kids exposed me to it, and then so I started playing this video game with them. And over the course of, like, 20 years of this, I mean, it's been out for, like, 10, 12, 13 years. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I've played it for a long period of time. But I've established these relationships with these people that I've never met in person. I've never seen them. I know what they look like on Facebook, but I have never interacted. But but I know their life. I know what's going on in their life. I know some of their struggles and some of their, their different things. And here's one of the things that I've been called by this group of people, college students, now now actual full functioning adults who have real jobs or are making an impact on the world. There's this group of people who uh, went to the uh, University of Purdue. It's in a state, uh, Indiana, if you ever heard of it. It's, if you gotta go on the other side of the country. It's, there's a lot of chaos there. I would not necessarily invite you there, but th- these people went to the University of Purdue. The Purdue Boilermakers. You ever heard of that? Yeah. I know it's, it's it's a tough place out there. Anyway, this group of people. They used to call me Priest. Priest Jason. Priest Jason was my name. Or my my gamer little gamer tag on this game is Jedi Pickle. <laughs> I'm nerding out for all of you, but it's Jedi Pickle. It's been that way for 20 years. So there's this group of people who went to the University of Purdue like, that are going to be like doctors and lawyers that call me Priest Jedi Pickle. <laughs> they call me Priest Jedi Pickle because they know I'm a pastor. But they also know that I have these skills that um, they, they don't know how to talk about to mom and dad or to a peer that they can ask me about. Spiritual things tough conversations, Uh, things that they have questions about, career advice. I've given a number of college students career advice that I've never seen face-to-face because I'm priest Jedi Pickle. i thought about changing my whole thing to say priest Jedi Pickle, but I'm really not that interested in it. But a priest, and so really if we're going to explore chapter 7 of Hebrews, you really need to understand what a priest is. A priest is a mediator, somebody who can do the go-between. When we think of it in a religious standpoint, I'm trying to get you out of the religious standpoint for just a second to understand really the, the overarching art, like what it really what a priest does. So they're a mediator. There's somebody that's a go-between. There's a, a person that has a very certain set of skills that invites you in your weakness into their area of strength, so that you can actually achieve the thing that you were designed to achieve, right? And so priests are um, they're a skilled worker. And again, remember, in the priest context, we often think religious. And that's true. If you were to look it up, it would give a religious connotation, a religious definition. It would give a church kind of answer to it, right? And in this way, when we get ready to talk more about priests, that's true. The priesthood is is a skilled mediator that's inviting you in to an area of strength or an area that you need to get to because you don't have the ability to get there on your own. This is why the end of chapter 6, where it says Jesus already went into the inner sanctuary for us, that he now is the eternal priest, and we can be invited in through his work, his skill. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. This gives us a quick insight of what what we're talking about. Every priest, verse 1, is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. That's a priest. He represents their, their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same sort of weakness. That is why we must offer sacrifices for his own sin. That's why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And you see already the writer of Hebrews is setting up a flaw in the priesthood. He's setting up one of the issues that not only do they go before God on our behalf or offer sacrifices on our behalf, but they have to do it for themselves because they have weaknesses as well. So their their sort of skill set is limited by their own corruptibility. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be be called by God for his work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, "You are my son today, I become your father now th- why is this important? There is an order and an understanding and a framework by which the readers or the the receivers of this letter to the Hebrews would understand when 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 the pastor saying priest, this is what he means. The priest is somebody who has skills and is a mediator and goes before God on your own beh- on your behalf because you are incapable of doing the thing that you were called to do. I have a great example, besides being Jedi Pickle Priest, I have, in, my, in this town, it uh, was like probably two summers ago, um, my car broke down at the tractor supply zone. You remember that? You And I got a towed, you remember, like, yeah, that's right. Mark drove by us and was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, our car broke down. I'm waiting for a tow truck. So I waited at, at the track supply. It was at Hose. It was not a big deal ultimately. But here's the, the story is, um, is, is, the, is the thing that reminds me of a priest. So here's the deal. Oh, I just shut my uh, keyboard and my thing off. I have no idea what I'm going to say next. I'm frozen. Just kidding. I don't need any of this stuff. This is to keep me accountable. So, if I knew anything about mechanical, mechan, anything about an engine, I totally could have done it. I could have attached a hose and did it myself. But I looked at that thing, and, and when I see my engine, what I see is Satan <laughs> looking back at me saying, You're, You are just as evil as everything inside of this hood. That's what I see. I look at it, and it's like, It's nothing that I want to, I have zero desire to know anything about it. I look at it and it says there's way too many moving parts um, and I hate you. (laughs) I had a hose come off and there was like stuff like fluids. I don't even know what kind of fluids. It had colors and no color. So it was water and another color and it was spraying everywhere. And I was broke down a tractor supply, and I don't remember, did you take my boys home? Yeah, you, Mark took the kids home, and I'm stuck there waiting for this tow truck. Tow truck finally comes. It was like a random, like late, not late at night, it was like 5.30, 6.30 at night, right? So I'm like looking around for somebody who can just take my car. I call all over the place, all over the mechanic, all over the people who love to look at engines and say, I know how to fix that. Every last one of them said, nope, we're understaffed, we're understaffed, we're understaffed. It'll be six months before we can get you in. We're understaffed, we're understaffed. I, finally, I get to this one place that says, "He's like, yeah, drop, drop your car off. We'll fix it tonight. I'm like, are you serious? This place is called the Backwards Mechanics. You've seen it? It's by the beacon. It looks like well, I'll, there's another part of the story that reminds me what it should look like. I, so I'm like, I'll be there as soon as the tow guy brings me. We go in the, the tow truck picks me up eventually. We drive over to the backwards mechanic and we pull in and the tow guy, he looks at me and he goes, do you want me to stay here with you? <laughs> he looks at me and realizes this guy, I probably looked like this, he, this guy is not capable of handling himself inside of this place. And he brought the, he's like, this looks like a place where you might lose a kidney. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, I'm a big guy, I can handle myself. I've watched UFC stuff, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, like, we pull in there, and it is the kind of place that most of us, I'm no longer scared because I'm just not. But there was this moment where I was like, Maybe we should go somewhere else. (laughs) But I was committed, and they were going to fix it tonight. right? So I go in there, and I sit down. And they have this sign on the wall that says, we fix it, you fix it, we help you fix it, with three different price ranges. Casper people get the best prices, by the way, at this place. If you're an out-of-town person, if you're on the way to Yellowstone, and your car broke down, and you're from New York, or Indiana, or Purdue, you're just going to pay 10 times the amount of what I paid. But they have this option. You fix it, we'll help you fix it, or we'll fix it for you. They're skilled workers. They know what they're doing, and they're inviting you in to say, we can, we can show you how to do this. You can enter this place. They're mechanic priests. They're showing us the way on how to do it. If I wanted to learn how to fix this hose that took them eight and a half minutes to fix and $120 of Adrienne's money, I (laughs) totally could have sat there and said, yeah, I want to learn how to fix this. I have zero interest. I'm flawed when I see mechanical things it, my brain just fries. I don't have the skill set. I'm not capable. Now, could I learn over time? Sure. But interest matters in that. Desire matters in that. But at the end of the day, my hands don't turn in the same way other guys' hands turn. It's just the way it is. And I can invite other guys up here and you've seen it in this church, hand them the microphone and say, hey, why don't you talk for 12 minutes? They're like, Burr. we all have our skills, right? We do. This is what a priest is. Somebody who has the skill, the ability to invite you into the place to fix the thing that's broken in your life. That's a, that's a priest on a very practical sense. Now have that in your mind when we read Hebrews chapter 7. And I have all my kidneys, by the way. And some young couple from New York was charged $800 to recharge their air conditioning. <laughs> that's a true, that's true, $800. I'm just like, just fix me and get me out of here. Verse <laughs> one of chapter seven. This Melchizedek, Kizedek, however you want to do it, it's fun. You can pretend like you're smart by saying Kizedek, or you can pretend like you're me and say Chizidek Was a king of the city of Salem and also the priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took the tenth of all, had, all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. <laughs> The name Melchizedek means king of justice, and king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning nor end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the greatest patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a 10th of what he had taken in battle. Now, the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the one who collect tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For another Levi wasn't born. The seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. Is anyone confused yet? Let me get through these next few verses and then we'll kind of go backwards and I'll, I'll explain just a brief moment. I'll give you one of those nuggets with ketchup. So if the priesthood of Levi was on which the law was based could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in, order, in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar of priests. What I mean is the Lord came from the tribe of Judah and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. All right, we're gonna get into the last section, but let's give you a couple nuggets first. We could deep dive into Melchizedek. I've done it it one other time. We could drive all over the place. I I almost was gonna invite you to like do a real time, like let's vote if we do it or not. Genesis 14, we're not. Look it up, Genesis 14. It's also quoted in Psalm 110. Um, the story of Melchizedek is quoted multiple times in the New Testament. It's an important kind of structure piece. And the reason why, and I, you know, never mind, We're not going I'll tell you in a second. Genesis 14 is the story of Melchizedek. I want you to go read it this week. Understand it. We, we, again, we talked about it months ago. But here's the nugget. Here's your first nugget with ketchup about priests. The new order of priests give us better access. See, what was happening in this explanation of Melchizedek is that, is that the, the, the pastor, the writer, and leave that up on the screen for me, uh, Flint, if you would. The pastor, the writer, was, um, was creating a framework by which the current priest model was living and how it looked. And saying that those priests had to sacrifice for themselves, those priests um, would die, those priests had to be from a certain line, those priests had all sorts of flaws, and so to really enter the Holy of Holies, to really enter into a relationship with God, in order to have true partnership and and, and relationship with God, we need better access. What happens when, when the priest is on vacation and I can't go and do my sacrifices or my offering? He's out. He's out for lunch. Has anybody ever shown up for an appointment on their lunch break to try to do something because you have this window of time, 45 minutes to an hour, it showed up and there's one of those really stinky clocks on the window of the place you showed up for the appointment that says, we'll be back in 45 minutes. It's so in fear, it's frustrating. This is kind of the attitude of the priest. The priest would could come and go as they please and what, what's happening is the writer here, the Hebrew pastor is saying, listen, our old ways that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have access to God all the time. We have to have access to God. We are given access to God. Why are we given access to God? Remember chapter 6? Jesus already entered. He already entered. He showed up. He went through the curtain. He entered the inner sanctuary and provided a way. He provided the access. He provided the opportunity for us to enter in. He, he, he was able to do the thing that you aren't able to do. He provided his skill set and his ability and who he is. And this is the last part of Hebrews chapter 7. It's going to describe Jesus' characteristics. Characteristics that actually prove that he is the priest over all priests, the eternal priest, the high priest, the king priest. Now, why is it linked to Melchizedek? Well, Melchizedek showed up out of nowhere. He's this person that just kind of randomly showed up. And he showed up in a great story. And I'm, again, read it, Genesis 14. And he just showed up and he blessed. And Abraham responded to him in the way in which the, the Israelites have responded to priests all along. He showed up with blessing and he showed up with uh, food and wine and he showed up uh, to, to, to encourage the people. And their response was how all of the people have responded to priests from that point on. But really, through, through a new priesthood, and that's what we're talking about, we get better access. Our access is constant, and our access is greater. There were only certain times in the old ways to where you could show up and 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 cast your, your offering and give your sacrifice. This is a, what what the writer's saying in Hebrews 7 is that we have constant access to God. We can always go before God. And Jesus has provided, and this is what I wrote, struggling sinners a better access to Him than the Old Testament believers ever had. It's all the time, and this is why the new priesthood matters so very much. It gives us all better access. That's first nugget. Nugget number two with honey mustard. A new new priesthood was necessary. The Levitical priesthood failed. It isn't just a transfer or a change. It's a complete overhaul. Because here's the deal. Humans die. Humans die. So let's say you're the priest in a town, not just Jerusalem, and you pass away. You get hit by a bus on the way to temple. Who's there to take care of the offerings and the sacrifices? Who's there? This is, it's just a, a very practical thing to understand. There was nobody that was in the office. That's a weakness of the priesthood. Also, if you follow the priesthood through the Exodus story and through the Old Testament, they continue to fail and to create idols and to steer the people away because they're human. They're sinful. They're selfish. It needed a complete overhaul. See, Aaron, Moses' brother, was the first high priest when they left Egypt. And under the guidance of God, Moses decided how a religious practice would happen and how it was going to be conducted in the wilderness, and eventually in the promised land. Aaron and his sons, who were from the tribe of Levi, the the organizational structure that they had, were in charge of making sure the people worshipped God correctly. They also interceded between God and the Israelites by offering sacrifices and symbolized all the payments and wrongdoings. But the system screwed up because Aaron regularly screwed up. His sons regularly screwed up. They failed over and over again, and they led the people astray. There's a great story in Exodus. Moses up on the mountain. What are the people doing down below? Led by the priests. Worshiping idols. While while God is meeting his people, while while Moses is encountering the face of God, while he's having a, a personal experience with Yahweh, down below the entire company of his followers are worshiping idols led by the faulty priests. Now, is, he, is the writer Hebrews going, now, listen, these are all horrible people. No, he's saying we need better access and we need a complete overhaul because it failed. It's, we need a new priesthood because it's necessary for us. We have to get to the point to where we have constant, powerful access. We need a priest that's eternal. And this is what the the writer of Hebrews says at the end of chapter 7. Verse 15, This change has been made very clear since a different priest who is like Melchizedek has appeared. Jesus became a priest, not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of, of Levi, but by the power of the life that cannot be destroyed. Think about that. Jesus is the priest, the high priest, the king priest, and it's sustainable forever because he's eternal how many of you uh, show of hands please uh, grew up like went to Roman Catholic I'm thinking of like one family I know do you remember your priest's name father is he alive think about that spiritual leaders fun fact at some point me as a spiritual leader will not be here anymore I'm going to go away. I will become dust at some point. It might be 120 years from now, but at some point I'm gone. That simple reality of life and death creates this incredible power in the priesthood of Jesus. He's eternal. He's forever. He's permanent. So nugget three with barbecue sauce is we need a priest right? We need a priest that's permanent, powerful, and personal. Look at verse 17. The psalmist pointed this out. This is Psalm 110. And prophesied, you are the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You're going to be a priest forever. You will always open the door. You always have the skill set. You always have the ability. You always have the, the position to invite us into the place that presence with God. That's who Jesus has always been and who he always will be. This is why relationship with Christ is critical to enter into the Holy of Holies. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect, but now we have a confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus, for God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath, and I will not break the vow. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees a better covenant. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to him, come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and he has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself As a sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. Jesus is the priesthood we need. Christ is able, this is the landing point, Christ is able to save you completely. We are flawed, broken, messy, corrupted, problematic, and here's the problem. We continue to try to work to fix that, and Jesus is the only thing, the only thing in our corruptible nature that can solve that, that can fix that, that can shape and change that, that can make it and conform us into what he desires, and that's himself. He's the only thing. You can work and work and work. You can pray and pray and pray. You can pretend and pretend and pretend that you're getting better. But the only thing that will bring you into the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary, is Jesus, the priesthood of Jesus. He intercedes for you. He offered himself for you. That's it. And here's the the human condition problem. Since man and woman try to determine right and wrong for themselves, they have been messed up. And broken, we have been messed up and broken eternally. And the only thing that can fix and rectify that is the interruption of Jesus saying, I offer myself once and for all as a sacrifice so that you can enter into the Holy of Holies with me. He's like, I'm going to fix it for you, I'll show you how, and I'll fix it with you. He is the backward mechanics of the priesthood. He puts up a big sign on this cross that says, you come to me, I'll save you. You come to the cross, I'll help you. You come to the cross, I'll show you how it looks to be fixed. You come to the cross, I'll walk with you. This is what Jesus does. This is why he's the perfect priest. This is why he's the priest that we need. He guarantees a permanent fix to the corruptible nature that we have. That's what Jesus does. This is why, now, the writer of Hebrews is writing is writing to Jewish people. Understand this. He's writing to Israelites. He's writing to those who are clinging and holding on to some of the old ways and are having a tough time understanding this new Jesus thing. Like, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And it's not that all of those things are just trash canned, but he's saying there's a better way. The whole point of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. These things had purpose and they, and they helped organize you and they put you into the right path and shape. But the reality is, is that Jesus supersedes all of that. He is the permanent, powerful, personal way in which we access God. And if you're here's the deal. If you're going if you're going to to get to God to feel better that's not sustainable. Going to God to feel better is not what faith is about. That's not what following Jesus is about. To feel better is it just doesn't last. It is the carbohydrates of spirituality. It's a temporary ah, that will never satisfy you to try to feel better. This is why taking offerings and sacrifices was not sustainable. There had to be a permanent sacrifice and a permanent offering so that imperfect people could be made perfect. So that our life and our Contentment and our joy and our faith was rooted permanently in the person of Jesus Christ. This is why a new priesthood matters. He is the skilled worker that can enter into the holy of holies. He already did, and provides a way for us to walk behind him. One of the verses um, I've told the story before when I was uh, doing an ordination interview. Um, to be called reverend. (laughs) They're like, how does one get to heaven? That was the question. And my answer was, you believe in Jesus Christ. Do you have any verses to back that up? Well, yeah. What are they? chicken nugget brain i couldn't think of one i, I my, my brain just went blank yeah uh, uh uh and i and i uh i was like a uh, john three sixteen. that's okay but is there another way to heaven besides jesus what if you're a good person can you go to heaven All these smart people asking me, like, this is like, am I going to have a job tomorrow is what's going on right now. (laughs) Come to find out you can fail ordination interviews and still be a pastor. I didn't fail an ordination interview, just for the record, but I know a lot of guys who have, and they're still pastors. They went back and did it again. I could not think of a verse to, to show that Jesus was the way to heaven. And bless his heart, John, Jeff Brown looks at me, I said, John Brown. Jeff Brown looks at me and said, why don't you open your Bibles to John 14, 6? I've never forgot John fourteen six ever again. Does anybody know John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I've never forgot that verse since the fall of 2004. I know it now. I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God but through me. The writer of Hebrews says no one can enter the sanctuary of heaven except for following the way Jesus Christ. That's our anchor and hope. That's, our, that's the thing that sustains us, that's the thing that makes us stubborn and persistent. And the only way in which that works is if we remove the old priesthood and we establish the new priest king in Jesus Christ. So every, and this is a warning to, this, these are the nuggets to everybody who's trying to hold on to the old way and say, I don't want to give this up yet, I enjoy this, because it feels good to show up, to bring your sacrifices, to bring your offerings, and to have, have the priest go, you are forgiven you are forgiven. Confession feels good. and It is something you need to do, but it feels good when you go before a priest in in the Roman Catholic church and you confess your sins. There's freedom in that. The hard truth there is it's temporary because you know the next week you screwed up again and you got to keep going back and going back. And it's not that we don't confess our sins, that's not the point. The point is, is, is we have somebody who's satisfied all of our sin and has went through, and we can confess to him day after day after day. And sure, that does feel good a little bit, but it's not the same kind of spark that happens when we bring our offerings or bring our confession. It's deeper, it's heavier, it's sustainable. And what it's supposed to do in you and in me it's change that corruptibleness. Let's go back to the backward mechanic and I'll end here. If, if I would have chosen the teach me way, I would have been a better man in the long run for it. If I would have went in there and I said, hey, you're going to charge me $120 to fix this, I'd I'd like for you to show me how to fix this. I would be a much better human being, a much better mechanic on my car, because I invited the mechanic priest to teach me, to show me, to help me be better at walking this life now. Not just satisfy my brokenness, but to show me how to Walk. This is what Jesus did as he walked the planet. This is how he lived. This is what math, This is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Live in this way. I will show you how to live so that you can enter the Holy, Holy not because of anything you've done, but because of what I've done, but now I've shown you how to live. I keep reiterating this. Christianity is not being sucked into heaven, right? That's not what we're... Like it's we're not like in this, like you're not the bank, little bank deposit tube, right? That's not what we're doing here. To where you put your thing in, you put your, I got salvation, now suck me into the bank. I'm ready to live here. Put me in the vault. Being transformed from the inside out is supposed to affect those around you. You're supposed to transform. And the only way in which you do that is by living and orienting your life around the person of Jesus Christ because he's shown you the way. He's shown you the truth. He's shown you the life. And because of that, we affect, and you, here's the deal. I hope hope you're connecting the string from beginning to end. Peter begins to write about the royal priesthood, the holy nation. You, as followers of Christ, are priests. I've said it about four weeks ago. You're priests. You're here to give people a taste of God. You can't forgive their sins. You can't get them into heaven, but you can give them a taste of what it looks like to have a person who is redeemed, who is on his way to heaven, who is living a life that's oriented around the person of Christ. That's the priesthood. And yes, we're flawed. We're a mess. And we continue to point to Jesus as our priest king, as the high priest, This is the power in the priesthood. We are called and are called priests so that people will encounter Jesus. All right. I didn't land the plane hard. We didn't crash. Christ is able to save you completely. Not just your soul for heaven, but your behaviors, your attitude, the way in which you believe, how you talk, the things that you say, the things that you think. He can transform your entire person. Let's get to heaven. But have your entirety changed, transformed here while you're living now.